G'day, thanks so much for getting our preview podcast of the Turnbull Stakes Day Quaddy Legs. Before we look forward, as we like to do, let's look back at some of the great champions who've won this race. in front, he's hanging on, he's going to win his second successive Turnbull, the rope reached the judge. 200 metres left to go, Durbridge in front with Lechelope challenging strongly, Lechelope bolted to the lead now from Durbridge and then Prince Salieri and Rentino, but Lechelope racing away from them. They've got to the 200, it's Sunline still by about two lengths to Primrose Sands, Carpstead Way, Universal Prince is making plenty of ground on the outside, but the great mare is clear, Sunline, Universal Prince chases her home, Sunline, the Queen is back. Northerly the leader from Dash for Cashfields of Omar. Northerly in front. Northerly holding on. You're a champion. Northerly. Continuing to kick. Zipping hanging on. The old boys got home. Zipping a nick. Green Moon hit the lead now with a hundred to go. Seville closes on his stable mate. Green Moon by a half. Green Moon in front and Green Moon won it from a half. Winks has ambled up on the outside. Racing Royalty goes to the lead. Racing's wonder of the world. Puts up two lengths, three lengths. Ventura Storm followed by a sign, but it's all Winks. Five or six lengths in front. Look at her go with 100 metres to go. 21 today on the biggest dance floor of them all. Winks PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Ralphie. And Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals. Morning, mate. Good morning, Ralphie. What a great morning. Oh, it's brilliant in Melbourne. It's absolutely crystal clear and hopefully it's a good sign for tomorrow too. So it looks like we're going to have clean ground. The rail's going to be at nine metres at Flemington. How does Flemington typically play? The, uh, Liam O'Keefe always puts the rail at nine metres for the Turnbull Stakes Day meeting. Well, the beauty of that is, well, firstly, if you're an on-pace runner, stalker, you're definitely going to get good advantages, especially if you can just peel one or two off the fence in the home straight. That's probably the the golden spot, those two, three, four lanes off that fence. That's my view. If you're looking at being on horses on pace and they've got the ability to be able to sort of hold on to whatever that race shape is, that's definitely an edge. Otherwise, 
I always say the midfielders can get in the race and the back markers can get in the race because the wider you get, the faster it is. It's just it's just a situation of whether the race shape will allow you to do that. And before I ask about that race shape in the Group 1 Turnbull, uh, what about up the straight? What's your view there? In the straight racing, that is. Ah. <laughs> it's a head scratch, isn't it? I always say I love it if they come up the middle. Yep. But the challenge is when they come up the middle, it's always the slowest pace. And that makes it never easy for the back markers. And if they come to the inside fence, then if they all come to the inside fence, then I feel you could have a really genuinely run race. But if you go to the outside, you know the, the, the wider you are, the better off you are. All right. Well, let's look at the Turnbull Race 7 on the program here. Some good quality as I think I suspect it's going to be a leaper. Uh, in other words, a horse that uh, that hasn't produced a big figure this time in, who, who really peaks in the in the Group One day. How are you expecting the speed to be uh, unfolding here? Speed wise, Ralphie, on the very low, we're probably going to end up being plus one and maybe plus four on the high. So I am expecting above standard speed, but if the two horses aren't going to sort of have a bit of a go up front, then maybe we could go to benchmark, but I'm not seeing a slowly run race here. So that's Knight's Order and Profondo. On the early edition, you've still got New Merrin in there who is a scratching, so uh, take note of that, but Smoke and Romans, and then uh, then I suppose it's a bit open as to as to where they go positioning-wise. Okay, so New Merrin's out. Yep. I'll just, I can redo this live in terms of the mapping. Okay, so we've got Milford and Young. Well, Milford's the next key horse to press for yeah it's still clearly showing that we, we're not going to be slower than benchmark plus one's the signal so that that comes down to talent i guess as far as the uh the market order is concerned well gold trip i might start by asking you about gold trip because here's a horse we've got some got some real clarity about as far as its talent level now for those who haven't previously listened to what you've been saying about gold trip because and i'm starting with it because it's favorite at uh, around about mid three odds gold trip if he turns up and brings his absolute european best what how do you rate him if he brings his european european best the only horse that could probably get close to him is Juaz. Yep. And that's it. This horse would, would pretty much – I don't feel there'd be any problems this horse demolishing this field. Right. So the challenge is how close is he to his best for obvious reasons. We, we always try and take into account trainer's intent. So I'll put this case to you, Vince, and then you can bring it apart from there. Big weight drop from Caulfield in the naturalism and – yeah, I know you don't factor in weight, but you factor in weight when it comes to trainer's intent. This screams to me this is its target race. Jamie Carr now on. Rose Hill had a bit of a winter cameo, if you like, and you, you, your comment a couple of weeks ago when we did this, uh, the Caulfield pod, was he just raced heavy to you the way he looked at Sydney. What have you seen at Caulfield and what, what's your projection tomorrow? I did feel there was a lot more improvement from Caulfield, Ralphie, and there was a lot of evidence in that mid-race. Now, maybe the speed, gave the horse a bit more comfort as in the slow speed yep and yep. possibly I'm, I'm not rubber stamping it because there's no proof in terms of ground condition but that acceleration through the mid that was bigger than more than 15 lengths and I, I felt that was a lot smoother I was actually really happy as well with the the blowout over the last 200 meters it was a real clear signal that whilst the horse 
still doesn't look ideal to me in terms of the way it's traveling the reality is there is an overall improvement like it's a superior improvement in that sort of mid-race like you have a look at it from one run to the other Ralph. it's it's at least 10 lengths better and the blowout last 200 meters of around one and a half lengths does sort of clearly indicate that it's impossible to see this horse running under benchmark there's no way this horse is going to run on the benchmark. And we need a, we're looking for a plus one if all horses are just running to their current profile, not going to their peaks. Now, if they're wanting to run to their peaks, we could probably add a genuine length, length and a half. And this still doesn't mean this horse couldn't do that because he doesn't have to be at his top to be a first three finisher. So two questions here. Uh, the, the the ground really deteriorated after a massive deluge in Melbourne that day uh, when Caulfield really copped it. So it's, we, we look like we're going to get clean ground. So the starting the first question here, how do you think he'll improve on the clean ground on his European profile? Well, I, I just can't help but feel this horse looks set to improve no less than two lengths. I just I, and I just can't see it. And he's he's got the perfect ratio. Got the right rider in the sense that the rider will suit this horse's profile, which is really important. And I, one of the things that I do like about Jamie Carr when she's on off-pace runners, she doesn't procrastinate. She blends in beautifully. And she, she, for whatever reason, she has the ability of getting clear clarity around where she needs to position when she's on off-pace runners. And she's, like she's in autopilot mode, she even knows when to move. <laughs> Where a, a lot of good riders make those bad errors under pressure, and basically part of what's making her great is is that her, her feel is obviously just it, it, it matches your numbers and it, it she she just rides to to what's best for that horse, and that's all I can ask for as a form student. Yeah. So I suppose the other secondary part I should put about trainers' intent is that it's a stallion, so they would love to have this group one. On its on its CV, that's going to add much more than what the prize money is. So that's probably another point I, I should put down there. And from barrier ten, where do you expect it? Because you mentioned about Jamie Carr blending in. Where do you expect it to be in the run? Well, all the data saying it's got the capability, if it wanted to, on natural speed, to be bang on midfield. It could get a little bit further back than that if they spread a bit more, but just on natural speed and if my forecasting of the race is going to be around that plus one range, I can't see this horse being any further back than seven or eight lengths. Second favourite is Dua. You've uh, you've got it at this stage on your uh, early edition as most advantage here. I suppose there's two questions with Joe. You, you really uh, articulated on the Monday podcast that don't write this horse off. It's ready for a big peak run because of where it's been in the run at uh, at Ranwick there on uh, on quite wet ground and obviously a very slow pace where they had to really accelerate behind Animo. So I suppose the dual question is where's it at now and just. For the record, how good was that Flemington uh, Australian Cup win, of course, this track, this distance in March? Well, firstly, if we go back to last year and we look at that Flemington performance, 4.5 above, best of the day performance, and that was third up. That's a sensational performance. It's like very, very high level. We know, Ralphie, that's the type, that's the type of performance that will win you like a Caulfield Cup. Yep. If you can get that sort of distance at 2,400 make it very competitive in most other races. And it's it's a sort of starting point if you're looking at horses that had to sort of travel on a global level outside of this country. So that's the type of platform and figures that I look for, that if you can run very close to five around the 2,000 metre mark, you can be competitive in a lot of places around the world. 
Now we sort of switch to where we are today. First up run, it was actually a good run, Ralphie. Even though the overall IBR figure was only minus 5.6, but if you have a look at what it did through the first section, 11.3 below, good, beautiful move around nine lengths between the eight and the 400 metres. And I, I actually liked the last 200 metres as well of this particular horse. It broke benchmark. Then went to Ramwick over a mile, and the horse is going 20 lengths below benchmark. Now, if you compare that to second up last campaign, this is where a little bit of deception comes into play. Like when you look at margin, so the horse got beaten five lengths in that race. Last campaign, mile 1600, the horse was actually traveling a length quicker than what it was on the 17th of 9, 20, 2022. But look at the difference in the mid race. The mid-race move here was around 19 lengths versus only 13 lengths last in, oh, this is when we talk, we're going back to February of this year. And the last 200 metres, there's only a length difference. This is how I can sort of get an understanding about how are you travelling compared to last year when you ended up elevating to that level. I actually mark this horse, even though an IBR figures is slightly behind, but it's ahead of the first up run versus second, I just can't help but feel this horse is ready to absolutely launch. I'm super conservative. I've gone 1.3, but I, I just I just feel that's like it's going to be its worst performance. So the, 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 here we go. So we're not quite comparing apples to apples from the Australian Cup for these reasons, and I know we're both third up Flemington track distance. One, the Australian Cup was high pressure. Yep. And at the moment, you're forecasting good pressure, but not the type of murderous pressure that was no. in the Australian Cup. Uh, and secondly, the, the rail was at five metres that day, whereas yeah, nine metres, tell us the difference on, on uh, lane opportunities there were 5v9. Well, of course, it always comes back down to where you are in placement of the running. Yep. If you're five, yes, those inside runners are... are are somewhat disadvantaged, but mind you, this is the inside forward horses. They're only disadvantaged if they don't come off the fence and they stay hard on the fence. If they if they just move four or five without actually doing any extra work, yep. and they, they've got the advantage. That So this is a very similar scenario from that point of view. The bigger difference is this, though. As crazy it is, a lot more the midfield runners get a bigger opportunity because they're automatically in the lanes and it comes down to your level of ability and the pressure of the race is going to determine your outcome so the way i see this see if it's run fast the front runners are going to weaken the midfielders and the back markers are saving energy and they're going to be straight in the lanes they get an opportunity if they've got the ability if they don't have the ability they're just going to be completely full of lactic and there's going to be no finish but the high level horses will have the finish and if you're in the midfield position, you're actually in a golden opportunity if you've got the ability. You can run them down. And if it's slow pace, it's actually not any less disadvantaged either because, again, it comes down to your ability of being able to sustain your speed and actually have a sprint. All right. Well, you've stated there's no question on Duar's ability. So there's the uh, there's the setup there. It's quite a good setup, and hence you've got it most advantage. Uh, Profundo, you're talking about on paces. Uh, they get their chance first. Craig Williams goes on. He, he, when was the last time you saw a dry track bids? Wasn't it the spring champion stakes 51 weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it sad, right? I feel for the trainers for the cha challenges they have, particularly if they're coming from New South Wales, they just not having that 
opportunity of getting on the better ground. And this is a horse. There's so much evidence that this horse is clearly a superior horse on dry track. And in, and with this stable, it's also a stable where these horses have to train themselves to fitness. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I, they, again, I'm seeing more evidence even with this particular run, with every run this campaign, I'm seeing a very similar scenario. So it was listed as failed to handle the going last start. Poor recovery. Fortnight later, Craig Williams goes on. He'll go forward and he gets clean ground. Uh, yeah. is, is he a head scratcher or, you just, or if he brings no. his best? No, he's not a head scratcher. He, he's coming to play and I expect yep. I have an expectation this horse is going to make this race very competitive. Yep. And whether the horse is going to be – well, of course, if – if we're running to this level of plus one, the horse is going to be extremely competitive. But this race, I do have a sense that we could be around two, two and a half. This horse is still going to be competitive. And I don't believe we've seen the best of this horse because we have to go back to October 21 when it ran a 2.6, one of only two times this horse has been on dry ground. And you could see, if you look at that performance not only did it have a slowdown between the four and the two of around 2.7 lengths, and that's the first signal for me to indicate you're potentially a plus three and a half. I'm not saying a plus four horse, but definitely in the three range. And this is why I'm giving it a ton of respect. Now, Craig Williams, from a front running perspective, he's he's got the ability, if he has to be in a position to lead the field, he'll lead them. And he can handle himself up front, which is very important. He's also the type of rider, as you know, Ralphie, he's going to be quite happy if someone else takes that early work, like a, uh, a night's order, and he's going to sit comfortably. And he does have that capable tact, um, you know, tactile, that, you know, being tactical in terms of his mid-race move. If he wants to make a move a bit earlier... He's the sort of guy that might just say, I'm going to press the button and test everybody because the horse should be ready now to run a really strong 2000. If he wants to make it a staying test, he's going to have the horse to do it as well. He doesn't die wondering, that's for no, sure up front. Yeah. I love that about him. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, talk about another world-class rider here in Damien Lane, Young Worthy. You've got, you've got it next and your most advantage. I suppose the, uh, the, the it's a pretty simple question here. If he brings what he did last year when he ran second to incentivise, he's, 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 he's in the finish. Well, this is another horse, Ralphie. <sighs> it's a long break. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's one run off off what's needed. And that could be a possibility. So if we run real if we run faster than forecasted, then the horse, even in the O'Brien hands, there is going to be some sort of a challenge late because I do feel that it, it's not going to advantage these type of uh, setups. But if it's run even speed and the horse gets the chance to relax, and it becomes more of a 1,000-metre race, you know, like in terms of your finishing of the, you know, like the second half of the race is where all the pressure's on, then the horse will be fit enough to be able to handle that and make it competitive, uh, crack at the race. But I'm just sort of sitting here like I'd need to see scratches if I was going to back that horse. But at the moment, I'm giving it good respect. Will it stay in the top four tomorrow? I'm not sure. Right. And uh, and round off, well, here's, here's one talk about can talk about ability, inspirational girl. Where's it at uh, as far as where you think it is now, and compare it to what it can do when it's really coming to play. Uh, we saw it win the Blamey in a slow tempo race when it beat Zaki. That's a nice head start. But we knew when we were tracking the uh, the 2020 Perth Carnival, this is a serious talent. Yeah, I'm very confident 
that this particular horse is a lot more forward than Young Werther in terms of how uh, Mr. O'Brien's prepped up the horses from you know from their first up runs. This 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 is a clear sign. This horse is going very well, and you can see it like on the closing sectionals from you know seventeen point six lengths below benchmark all the way to going above benchmark over the last 200 metres is another real clear sign about how well this horse has travelled through that first up run. So I do feel this horse is going to be better placed in terms of conditioning. Of course, if it's a fast run race, there's still going to be a little bit of a, a challenge very, very late. But from a talent point of view, even though when I look at Ascot, going all the way back to 2020, Ralphie, when it ran the 3.4 second best of the day over 1,800. That was a high-pressure race, particularly from the sort of like the 1,200 metres to the finish line. And I still can't get over how big the run was over the last 400. I mean, plus eight last 400. <laughs> and, and, and it's no fluke. The horse has gone up near that speed on more than one occasion. And coming off a off a PB in the uh, yep. in the railway, so that that's its uh, talent level. The other thing, uh, and j- just what, for punters who might have uh, might have seen that it's had a jump out last Friday, uh, did what it was asked, but not only that, it didn't have blinkers on and it wears blinkers in races. So that's that's the classic sort of uh, mid prep uh, jump out or trial that we we like seeing. Yeah, he'd be very happy with the way this horse is. This is a trainer, yeah, and how it's progressing, and be no disadvantage being on that clean ground. I'll ask you one more because it's just a little one that's uh, the, or oh, I suppose a couple down down the bottom there, uh, as far as the you know numbers are concerned. Uh, Barrett, numbers fifteen and sixteen, maximal. Gee, that was a good run at Eagle Farm that day on clean ground behind Werder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good horse, Ralphie. I, I'm, I'm sure we probably haven't seen the very best of this horse yet, and it clearly hasn't been given many opportunities. It's, my view is I'm a little bit negative if I look at this horse's preparational structure over the last three campaigns, and if I'm reading it right in terms of 105, 77, 98, Source hasn't had much time off. Yep. I actually marked that performance as last start as very poor. And I didn't see, like, why I say poor is this. The move in the mid-race was excellent, but the conditioning blowout was too much. Like, it dropped four lengths in the last 400 metres. Yep. I don't like that. And this is not characteristic of this horse, by the way. This horse, that's the first time it's done that. So when I see this... I just sit back and say, as a professional, it, it can beat me. If I get beaten, that's life. I, yep. I, 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 but, you know, for me, it's 100 to 1. Well, the thing is, you take a position. <laughs> you could be wrong, but at least you take yeah, a position. that's it. You know, like, <laughs> and I show you, you know, and I, I have massive respect for the, for the trainer. Yeah. Like, massive respect. And I know he's capable of doing, you know, wonderful things, but just feel that I need to see this horse do more. Now, hopefully it comes out and does a lot more. And if it's really competitive, who knows? I might be keen to back it next start. Not today, though. Surefire's had six Australian runs, yet to see a good track. Amazing. Uh, He gets one uh, tomorrow. Well, this horse is very capable as well, Ralphie, and this, this, it's such a good race. Uh, I look at the, the profile of this particular horse and the way Mr Waller's been getting this horse engineered for a race like this, oh, there's no question the horse is 100% ready for this race. And 
he'd be, you know, crying as well with such challenging track conditions. Now, mind you, this this horse can handle wet ground, so it's not like a runner that it can't. I don't think the horse appreciates it when it's a heavy 15, right? 50 lengths below standard. That was two (laughs) starts back. Many horses don't like that. That's it. You've probably got to be, you know, serious hurdler that likes that sort of ground. But I, I can't fault this horse. First up, this this particular trainer, Mr. Waller, the way he geared this horse up first up, it was a very different program. I have no doubt he, he was putting a test in to see where this horse was at. He came through that first up run saying, I'm in fantastic shape. I'm actually improved from last campaign. So he would have been really excited and then he's just been copying the big dumping of ground and hasn't allowed this horse to deliver what it's potentially capable of. And we're, and we're going to find out. And, and and the horse will have to bring its A game to compete in this field. Have, have I missed anything here? I suppose Chapato's got a couple of very nice figures at uh, Flemington over this track and distance in the Australian Cup and uh, Turnbull. Yeah, this is another horse that's quite capable on its day. It's had the two runs in. The second up run was beautiful, sort of gave me a lot of clarity that it's trending in the right way. On its absolute best, we know this horse can perform up around that sort of what I would consider to be the plus two, two and a half range. There is this possibility it could even stretch itself further. I don't feel it's in the same profile form of, let's say, October 2020. Yep, I feel that's was the best we've seen the horse, and I, I, I looked to like the last campaign it was probably lost about a half length. It's had a long, long break. This is usually a good sign for even these older horses, but I, I'm just sitting back here saying you're probably going to be a run short, maybe two, and and will you even get near that two and a half this time? In maybe you, you're going to lose another length. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, well, you give your final thoughts tomorrow morning from a business perspective, but you're pretty much saying that the market's pretty close as far as uh, saying that uh, the Gold Trip and Duara are both ready to explode tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, there's no way I can be against the market on what they've got at the moment. All right, nice. That's the Turnbull Stakes for, for now. We'll go to the first leg of the quaddy, the Bart Cummings. Ticket into the Melbourne Cup. So, again, trainer's intent comes into it. The fa- oh, and talk about trainer's intent. Well, here we've got Mar Eustace. So, the favourite for the race's interpretation. Uh, again, like Old Trip, actually, is only had two Australian starts, had a bit of a winter cameo, a couple of jump outs, was in the market at Flemington this track distance three weeks ago. That was soft ground, and it was John Allen. Tomorrow, Craig Williams goes on, and uh, like I said, ticket the Melbourne Cup up for grabs. How are you assessing the speed, firstly, in this race before we get into the individual runners? Yes, speed-wise. I, I, I guess a bit's got to do with what Serpentine's going to do and what sort of aggression it's going to want to show. And if it wants to go out and show a level of aggression, it could potentially be a lone leader, but... If it goes out and runs orderly and just keeps building on the speed, then we know we're, again, going to be at least at a benchmark-type profile. Will it go much faster? I don't... Well, if it does, are the others going to want to follow it? I'd say the others aren't going to want to follow it. So we, yeah. could, have a, we could have a spread in the race, and they, and they could be running three, four, five lengths below benchmark. It's quite easily that could happen. And if the horse really puts the foot down and wants to really just go hard, 
with Ethan Brown on board, then you know, could the horse go plus three, plus four? Yes, but th- I still reckon the rest are still going to be travelling below benchmark. They're still going to want to do what they do, yep. want to do. Yep, absolutely. Okay, uh, most advantage you've ended up with the uh, the veteran mare Luna Flair. I want to say veteran. It's only I suppose seven, and at uh, last spring it had clearly its best prep. So it's one of those slow maturing mares. Graham Beggs taking his time with her. Past two runs have hasn't been far off in uh, in Caulfield races that uh, were very well quite moderate tempo. So I assume you're saying that those mid race squeezes are going to bring her to her top. Yeah, and this was a race like I spent quite a bit of time going through a number of runners here, and you know from the first to the second to the third iterations in terms of chessboard moves there was a there was a fair bit of movement but Luna Flair was one horse that never moved was always hanging around either on top second or third so I was happy from that perspective a few other horses which will come to I'm sure you know on the first cut they weren't there on the second cut they were there and then on the third cut they were um, you know we could really find the reasons why they needed to be elevated but Luna Flair you summed it up, Ralphie, at the beginning of this statement. The mid-race squeezes, particularly last start, was just outstanding. That's big. For 2,000 metres, when you get up around 20, that's that's a big squeeze. And that's also a sign of where you're at. And more importantly is how much do you deteriorate late? So if you have a big deterioration late, then you know that there's still a lot more to come. And sometimes that can affect horses as well, Ralphie. This is when you can get some flatness and fatigue coming earlier in their subsequent runs. But this horse was actually really, really solid and was able to improve its pace all the way and maintain the last 400 metres. And this was really good from my perspective. And every run this campaign has demonstrated, with, with maybe with the exception of the Caulfield's 1,700-metre race where it wasn't the same. But that, that race shape, there was a big bit of a slow-up between the six all the way into inside the 300-metre mark. And I felt that was more a ground issue and the challenges the track was having with the ground at a particular part, you know, coming inside the 600 metres all the way till you get to, to that 300-metre mark. So I didn't want to, you know, take anything into account that this was an issue around the horse itself. So this horse is set to see what it's capable of doing. And we're going to know after this run where you're at, like what's going to happen to you. And, and you're saying that the winner of this is automatically into the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. Okay. Well, this will be very interesting to see. <laughs> well, let's get to that favourite interpretation. It's an unusual profile, but it does scream intent. So <laughs> let's put that at the table first. That uh, that this is its race to get into the into the uh, big one. Blinkers off. Craig Williams on. Well, first thing with Craig Williams is a bit spooky. It's a little bit like what I noticed with Mr. McDonald a couple of weeks ago in Sydney, or it could have been a week ago. Like he was everywhere. And you get a bit nervous, say, so, well, how many winners are you really going to ride? Because, you know, I want to be with you with everything because you're not going to get them all, right? But he's got the same sort of profile today. Like, he's on so many super chances that look ready. So he's, he's got the opportunity of potentially, you know, riding four winners if he gets it all together. This horse on current profile, not really that good in terms of like what's visible like 4.3 below benchmark first up 2000 but it is that was a 287 day break what do you want good move in the mid race probably peaked at the 
400 meter mark and then petered out and you can see that in the numbers as well Ralphie that it just sort of peaked with a 0.9 above and then dropped about almost three lengths of uh, velocity but to me it was all conditioning and, and nice hit out and then last start well it was overall probably very similar ground to the first up run but it was a completely different race shape and you know trying to bring clarity around all right they must have wanted to you know apply some pressure how much walk. faster did you go race to race then? oh you're talking more than 13 lengths so <laughs> it makes a difference right yeah and this horse probably was affected between the four and the 200 around three lengths and then was able to kick down and finish nicely so not a lot to get from those runs but if i peel back to overseas what i clearly can see is this horse is far superior on dry ground like you touched on ralphie at the beginning when you mentioned this horse and we're going to pay respect to that. Is the horse ready to absolutely be capable of being a lot more effective? For sure. And I got this horse marked pretty much rock solid overseas, 1.4, young horse improving. So 1.4 and pretty much at the moment you've got your, 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 your requirement plus 1.1 on the early edition. So it's, it's right in the race. Yeah, and I... I, I this is one of these horses. Initially, I didn't want to score it up to that level, but when you go through and we've just touched on some of those details, there was no reason why I shouldn't, and this is the reason why I've done that. Don't like to generally see horses explode, you know, with a figure of six, seven lengths, but there was enough merit to indicate that <laughs> this stable. Even just these little minor adjustments they've made, you know, blinkers off and visor first time, you know, that sort of shows some type of intent. Well. Danny O'Brien's got two runners in the race, the famous at Vow and Declare. Once you win a Melbourne Cup, you're famous, full stop. Midnight Blue won a Perth Cup. We tracked this horse. We actually picked him as a Perth Cup winner two months out, and it was a, it was a great ride all the way through. He's got some genuine talent on dry ground there. He didn't get dry ground at Caulfield last start. His Mooney Valley run on soft ground was certainly good enough. Mid-teen odds here, Vince. Yeah, well, he's a horse that, well, first he was there, then I pushed him back out, and then I came, you know, came back swinging around the last sort of cut saying, well, why, am I, why have I got this horse left out? Can I justify this move? And, and the answer simply was in the end, no. Given that we are going to be with a high probability on, on let's call it a G4, then... No, it's impossible. And when I look at the profile of the horse from last campaign, he's just such a rock-solid horse who's got plenty of capability. He's got he's demonstrated a sprint, which we need to see, and that sprint came in back in November 27 at Ascot. You have a look at that last 400 metres, a plus 6.5 over, over 2,100 metres. Then have a look at the run, Ralphie, on the 13th of the 11th, 1,800 metres. Look at the sustained speed the horse showed through the first half of the race. Plus 5.1 first section, plus 5.6 between the 8 and the 400. How the hell can you still run above benchmark last 400 off that? Like, that's big. Like, really, really tenacious. So this says versatility is 100% on this horse's side. There will be no issues with the distance. And is the horse ready? Absolutely ready. Just needs clean ground. Going to get it, and we're going to find out. 
whether you can, you know, rise to the occasion. And if you do, well, the stable's going to be pretty excited because there's nothing to indicate this horse can't get more distance either. Well, that's sixteen dollars right there. So the the uh, the stablemate Vow and Declare, obviously, you're watching it. it. Works home well. I'm sure Danny O'Brien was delighted having missed a lot of racing. Luke, looks like they've got him right. There wasn't much on the clock, but it was a, it was a fast and legless race shape on slow ground. Gets on clean ground, and again, uh, you know, the intent to be able to win this race is right there. How are you tracking the way he's going? Yeah, well, I'm on the fence with him. I, I liked him last start. Yep. And I felt there was a possibility of a great run, but I'm not. He's at the moment. He's sitting in the pack. Yep. I'm not sure the horse is going to hold that fourth spot tomorrow. And the reason why I'm coming to that thought process is we're going to be on good ground. It's going to change the dynamics, Ralphie. If we're going to stay wet, and we're going to definitely be in the slow ground, I was probably with the mindset that you're probably going to hold on to that fourth position and potentially be a challenger because there are a couple of other horses that are negative and therefore you get some advantages. But with the cleaner ground, this horse is clearly one run behind and it's definitely behind Midnight Blue in terms of if I'm looking at the trend line about conditioning and where you are. That doesn't mean this horse isn't going to come right to you know, performing like it once did when it won a Melbourne Cup, you know, right up to its best possible ability. And and to me, it, you know, in this modern point of view, it's it's clearly like a benchmark sort of horse for me. But I just don't want to burst the bubble. I know, look, the big plus has got Damien Lane. I love that. And he's the sort of guy that I'd love to launch into if I'm, you know, looking at it from a business point of view. But it's a, it's a bit of a strikeout for me. But I wouldn't... Well, would I put it in a multi, like a first four? Yeah, maybe I'd put it in for fourth at best, unfortunately. All right. Well, what I'll do, I'll, I'll just quickly surmise the ne- the other runners that we haven't mentioned in the market, and you can uh, decide who you want to talk about. Shiraz was really good at Caulfield first up. Sydney Cup place get a started favourite in this race last year. To me, that's a bit of an eyebrow raiser. It didn't turn up, and they spelled it. But Damien Oliver stuck with it off a plane run at Caulfield last start, but on very, very wet ground after the rain hit. Dakin Street Jr., the uh, Adelaide Cup winner. Jamie Carr has chosen to stick with it. Desert Icon in good form, but Mooney Valley soft track 2000. 40 is different obviously the big track here over 2500 and uh and high emotion well that was the uh, track distance win but in on soft ground and probably should round off by saying francesco guard use in nice form in sydney and is fit oh wow that's that's like all dartboard ones there ralphie but right. I, but here's the thing firstly desert icon on the first cut i had it on top yep I was just going, wow, how did we end up on top of you? Second cut, it was still there. And then on the last cut, when I really go through it all, I am confident the horse is going to get the distance. I am confident that the horse isn't going to be negative on the good ground. But I just said to myself that if you get everything perfect, and let's say two or three other runners have the same sort of blend, and, you know, sometimes these things don't happen, right? There's bad luck. You don't get the right race shape in running. What will happen? And it just came up short class-wise. So that was my negative. But in terms of where you're going to be positioned in running, I, I feel like it's a golden spot and you and it does buy the horse a length, but it's not enough. And that, that was my issue with that horse. The other one that you said, Shiraz, 
which was the first horse you mentioned. This is a hard one for me. It really is. Are you a better wet tracker? Well, right now, when you've got a WTI that can flag bear up around the plus 11 range, then I reckon you are a wet tracker, right? That doesn't mean you can't perform well on a dry track, but I don't have the evidence to suggest you're going to be, you know, some unbelievable horse on a dry track. Who knows? Maybe it'll come out and do something that's beyond my thinking, and it's quite possible. I mean, that first up run, 0.7 below benchmark, was beautiful, right? The second up run... Step up to 2,000, a little bit of flatness there. There was a lot of merit in the last fractional splits if, you, if you're if you coming in from the 600 to the finish line. It was good, orderly, solid. Looks a run short to me. But, you know, I am worried when you said this is a target race for a lot of people because there's an opportunity for a Melbourne Cup and Mr. Waller's good enough to do that, right? <laughs> and, he's got the, and he definitely has one of the top guys on board. So I have to pay some respect to oh, it's there, but is it going to get into the top four? No. Could it finish in the money? Absolutely. Sounds like you're pretty happy with the top three you've got, though, in uh, Lunar Flare Interpretation and Midnight Blue. Yeah, and then you said high octane. Uh, uh, high em- emotion. Yeah. yeah, emotion, sorry. <sighs> Just closing on that. That last start win was good. Right. It really was. Even though it was 4.1 below benchmark and a ranking of 50, there was – Nothing you could fault in the run. In fact, I felt that the horse the way it kicked down from getting a slowdown from the 600 all the way to 200. I liked the way it kicked down. It was a clear sign this horse is coming to its top. The question is only, do you have the class to make the next step? That's all. Let's go to the Gilgoy, the sprint race uh, um, over 1,200 metres. The favourite for the race in a wide open race is Swats that. Uh, well, we did the podcast three weeks ago, Vince, and you said... I'd love this horse if it was 1,100. 1,200 first up could just test it. That's pretty much what proves uh, the Quinella in the race was rocking horse and baller, meets them again. How are you lining up this race? Yeah. Well, who, who, who's the current favourite right now? Is it still Swats that? Yeah, Swats that around about the mid-five range uh, from, uh, well, rock and horse about mid-sixes and you've got single figures uh, at, at sort of our eight-nine range, private eye, baller, the, the astronomist. It's 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 a it's a dartboard job. Ethelric's in there as well. Yeah, I'd probably want to have rock and horse. If, if I was a bookmaker, I'd probably have that as favourite. Yeah. Have a Swats that. I'm not saying the gap needs to be big, but I, I do feel there's a gap. Not, not a big gap. Maybe just flip them the other way around. That's the way I see it. Yep. In terms of profile, and this is the big one, we, we can do the we can do the work comparing the two. Every element that I went through in terms of breakdown between these two horses, all the signals and the key data metrics that I was looking at just represent one thing. Rocking horse is going to have bigger improvement than SWATs that's so that's the the first reason why I'm scoring the horse if I was a bookmaker price-wise, ahead of Swats that. In terms of class capability, they're very similar. So I'm not sitting here and saying that one's a superior horse to the other, just I feel that rocking horses come up, first up was benchmark, second half was 0.5 above. I look at the way the horse closed out compared to Swats that. It was just demonstrating to me that this horse is going to improve further. Now, the further improvement is this. How close will both horses run to the mid-twos? So SWAT's that, the way it finished off the race, 
over the last 200 metres and didn't break benchmark, it's not going to be an easy challenge for this horse to go second up and run two and a half. The only, now, if it was in the original stable, I'd say you're one run behind. I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence. But because it's this particular stable, there's no way I could say that. You know, I'd be a fool <laughs> if I thought these this stable isn't good enough to just get this horse to launch second up. There's no way. You know, I'm not going to go there. I'm just saying, okay, well, I'm going to respect you and I'm going to have you in this race. And it was an ideal 1,200, but maybe this was the strategy. Get the 1,200 under your belt instead of 1,100 so you can be ready to launch. It seems that way. It yes, does that yes. Way. So respect. In the end, we look at the two riders, Malum and Maloney. Well, probably Malum's probably got a bit, a little bit of an edge potentially on Patrick. If we were going down to riders, yep, not a, not a significant edge, just a little bit of an edge. And then we look at positioning running, and I just thought, well, no matter what, Rocking Horse is going to be in the right spot all the way through. It's going to be tagging that lead pack, and there's going to there's going to be good pressure unless they run in the middle. If they run in the middle. I'm I'm worried. Well, I'll be even more worried about what's that. Okay. If they go to the um, inside, you know, they're going to get their chance. Straight form is real. So you've got Bully, you've got the Astrologist, you've got Kemal Parsi, you've got Serious Suspect. They're just all good straight straight track horses. Private Eye, we haven't seen him up the straight. He's uh, tr- jump out, oh, sorry, trial rather to me. Looked like the second one, he did exactly what Joe Pride wanted. Under 60 kilos, not saying the weight, but I'm talking about trainer's intent, it, it, it smacks to me that this is a nice race. He said that the target race is the final day of the carnival, the mile, um, but he's obviously got a lot of talent, this horse. He does have good ability, and you summed it all up, Ralphie, without getting you know too much and wasting energy. Yep. Not today. Yep. No, the kick off, kick off run. So really, in summary, you, you're pretty keen on the t- on the two, the uh, two mares, uh, Rock and Horse and what's that? I am. And Baller, Astrologist, they're right there. Serious Suspect is, is there as well. Yep. They're, they're all possibilities. I'm not saying they can't win. But right now, I just feel that one from a stable angle and the other one, Rock and Horse just looks set to come to its stop and it's – even even myself last campaign, I probably underrated it a little bit, right? Yep. And well, I'm not going to get caught. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get caught twice. <laughs> there you go. Um, so the 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 fighter race here, the superimposed, it, it's it's the race that some horses emerged with a warning and young Werther recently. Um, but I looked at this and I thought, well, it's a dartboard, Vince. We've spent a lot of time on three races giving the best insight. Is this a quick insight that it's a dartboard or am I missing something here with this last Yeah, I, I'm so sad. Like, I marked it low. And, yeah. I, and it really. And I've got six horses showing up at the moment. They're all below benchmark. So yep. I put it this way, it's hands in the pocket. But obviously, from a quality point of view, you can't, right? <laughs> exactly. And I'm saying... If there's a way you can go a little bit skinnier early and fill up a lot more late, then you have a, bit, a much bigger chance of winning the quality. Well, I'll tell you what. So, so to finish with this, um, we, we we didn't say we we're going to do the race, but the Danehill Stakes. I just we'll get your final thoughts tomorrow. But giga kick, given it's so short, did you get a chance to, to clock its uh, Mornington jump out there in race five? Because it did look very uh, just, very. Impressive. Which one's this one? In race sure. five, giga kick the uh, the favourite oh, there. Um, stand out. Just forget about the rest. Why don't we finish with that? <laughs> yeah, just forget the rest. Don't even worry about it. Look, there is, uh, there was something in Duel that I liked. Yep. And then when I looked at the rest, I said, well, I'll put everything else in the bin. 
Yes. <laughs> and if I really wanted to be nasty, it could be a race in two. And then I said, well, I'm dreaming. It's probably a race in one. That's yeah. all we wanted to do. Finish off, finish off with something that uh, that we could just say it's all business. Thanks so much for getting our year round carnival preview edition for the Friday. We will, uh, if you've got the upgrade package, uh, look forward to going through all the races tomorrow from a pure business perspective after the scratchings come through. <laughs>